Woo! Rebels, it's that time! Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. I always hope you're having a great week. Uh, and if not, thank you for taking time out of your day to grow a little bit in your marriage and your parenting. Got a great episode today. Mom's on the mic, Jess Connolly, talking about you are the girl for the job. Talking to the moms out there, you have you were meant for this job. You were chosen for this job. You were picked individually for this job as mom and wife. Can't wait. You're going to love it. Producer K, Atomic Mom. Let's dive into it. Here is a Moms on the Mic edition of Rebel Parenting. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Moms on the Mic. Hello. Good morning. We are so excited for today's show, and we are just blessed to have Jess Connolly, is it? Yes. With us today and to talk about her book and her ministry and everything that she has going on. Her book is You Are the Girl for the Job. And we are just excited to dive in and talk with her today. Well, so good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. So we'll just dive right in because I seriously called my neighbor and I was like, I'm dropping off this book (laughs) as soon as I'm done because you need it. And then I was like, oh, my other neighbor needs it. (laughs) So I just think every mom specifically needs to read this book because it is so encouraging and so just thanks for putting yourself out there. Thanks for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. And we would love to hear a little bit about it and dive right in. Absolutely. Well, hey, I'm Jess Connolly, and I am a mom of four. My kids, their ages range from six to 12. So we have we have quite the little spread. And my husband and I live in Charleston, South Carolina, where we Yay. lead a church. Yeah, we love Charleston. Nice. Uh, we lead a church here, and we also have our hands in a few different small businesses. And I have this beautiful privilege of getting to also write books and travel to teach women, which I'm so grateful for. But yeah, You Are the Girl for the Job came out of a message that I really needed to hear. And Mm. the actual story behind the phrase, behind the title, You're the Girl for the Job, came straight from my husband in the midst of writing my last book. I was in a season of just feeling wildly inadequate Mm. and incapable of writing and teaching anyone about anything about God. And he came in one day while I was in the midst of reading and studying, and he said, you know, you are the girl for the job. You're the one God has asked to do this. And it's, it's really important that you believe that and move forward with that. And I tucked that truth in my heart. And when it came time to start writing the next book, I thought, you know, I don't think I'm the only one really struggling with this. And so I do believe it is such a unique and powerful message specifically for moms and for families. And one thing that I can never get over about specifically moms not feeling like they're the ones for the job, like that they yeah. have what it takes is it's so interesting how we can doubt our capacity or God's capacity or his power in us when we're already in the thing, <laughs> like mm, so many right in the middle too. of it. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so many of us are like thinking about callings that we might have or things that we might do one day. And I understand like, you know, maybe doubting, will we have what it takes when it comes to that? But if you are a mom, if you are a parent, God has uniquely placed you in your family. And Mm -hmm. we either believe that he's placed us there on purpose and he'll give us what we need and he'll equip us. Or we believe that this whole thing is just a huge accident and that he's not going to show up. 
And so yeah. when moms specifically feel like I'm not the girl for the job, I'm not, I'm not the right mom for my kids. It's as if we're telling God, like you're, you, you just made a huge mistake. Yeah. And we don't think that. For sure. Well, I can speak from experience a few different ways. Uh, <laughs> one in particular is, yeah, I'm in the middle of writing a book and that static, how are you going to be writing this book? Mm-hmm. And yeah. who do you think you are? And yeah. that is so pervasive. And I was just sharing with Laura that I have four kids too. And my second was just, oh, he didn't ever want to sleep. And then just some stuff that is his to share. It was just a very hard journey to walk. Mm -hmm. And I had somebody consistently in my life saying, you are the mom for him. You are the mom for him. And I was like, I am not the mom for him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I mean, that was like my honest, like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about because I don't know how to handle this. And Mm. through the many, many years of that consistent somebody else speaking over me and finally getting it ingrained in me and now walking through this journey with him, I am most definitely his mom and I am proud to (laughs) be his mom. And it's such a cool Mm. way that the Lord has shown me that specifically of I am the girl for the job for him and Oh, how many moms need to hear that? Yeah, exactly. Well, their kids are freaking out and yep. having tantrums and like, can I get a hand raise? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's well, and just how it empowers you. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I was just going to say, there's a quote at the beginning of the book from Madeline Lingle. It's like on the first few pages of the book. And it says, yet I knew the moment I started worrying about whether or not I was good enough for the job, I wouldn't be able to do it. And I love Madeline Lingle. I love her writing. And when I first heard that quote, all I could think about was motherhood. And something just wild and deep shifted in my heart when I started saying, I think I might be good at this. And Mm -hmm. if you knew me, if you knew like my background (laughs) as a mom, you would just die laughing at like the, my even ability to say that I've never been like a professional mom. I've never been in all of my friends and all of the communities I've been in. I've never been the one that people have been like, Oh, she's such a good mom. Like, you know, my kids ate baby food out of plastic containers and (laughs) like we did everything wrong. Like when I was 21 and like a few days old, you know, Mm, I was not ready. And then I had three kids in three years. I had no clue what I was doing, Um, but something deep and beautiful has shifted in me in the last few years. When I've started to say, I think I'm the mom for this job. Like Mm -hmm. I think I'm uniquely placed here on purpose and that God will give just me what I need to parent these kids. And the biggest thing for me that shifted is that I like it more. When you go into something thinking like, I think I might be to do this, uh-huh. you yeah. actually can enjoy it a lot more. Well, f- yeah, you, the resource is there. You're just equipped mm-hmm. to handle it and you're living in that identity like, no, I am the best mom for this child. Right. And it's just yeah. hones in. And then when we were going over your book earlier, it's just what it opened up for me was the amount that I can plug into when I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I am the girl for the job. I am going to go speak across the country. I am <laughs> going to go do marriage and family trainings all over. Mm-hmm. And I'm already doing it. And he's already equipped me. Right. So right. then I can tackle anything that's coming my way. I just love it's just so empowering. And that's why yeah. I think we want all moms to take a peek at this book and go and get it. Well, and there's like, once you know that you are and you're not resisting it, it's almost like a resistant. And then once you're like, no, I am, then there's an ability to receive what abundant life, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's what I keep thinking of. 
Yeah. So what have you noticed in like your gatherings and people you're coaching and people you're helping? What are you seeing that's most impactful in their lives when you're working with them about, hey, you are the girl for the job? Yeah. Well, the first whole step of the book, it's broken into six. And the first step of the book is quit. And I find that women find the most impact in this step. And there we just kind of begin to deconstruct and quit some unhealthy motivations Mm. or some pressures that they were just never meant to hold. And this specifically for for parents is wildly important. And just like I think we find so much more joy when we begin to believe that we're the mom for the job, we also find so much more joy when we stop trying to be the best parent. I mean, (laughs) honestly, even when I stop trying to be a good parent, whatever that means, I experience so much more joy. When I just say like, I'm just going to try to love y'all well. And I I tell people all the time, my like parenting strategy is I just want to get us all across the finish line happy. That's basically it. I don't even necessarily (laughs) care if we're clean. Um, Just like whatever (laughs) it looks like to get together and still like each other at the end of the day, I'm blessed. Mm, Um, Yeah. And so for moms, for parents, I find this so wildly important to start to get quiet and humbled and listen to what unhealthy motivations or strategies or competitions there may be out there, Mm. Um, especially as a parent, even like in what we can produce. I think in even in Christian circles, we're not trying to speak this over each other, but we are. And there's this unspoken and sometimes spoken pressure to put out good kids as products almost like, can you produce something good? Can you produce a smart kid or a successful kid? And man, I just can't think of anything that feels like more pressure and that just wasn't ever ours to hold, you know? And so I find that there is this wild sense of freedom when we take all of those motivations and all of those competitions and all of those desires to be this ideal version of ourselves, when we take that out and then what comes right in that vacuum is love and care Mm. and compassion for other people. And so specifically as it relates to parenting, I feel like when I take all of those things off the table, when I stop trying to be the best mom, when I stop trying to be the most organized, when I stop trying to impress other people, when I stop trying to be this idealized version that I had pictured for myself, what Mm -hmm. comes in place of that is a desire for the good of others and a desire to see God get all the glory in my family mm. and how that fleshes out is so different than a day where I'm trying to be the best mom. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Getting yeah. off the performance of it all. I think for a lot of moms that hitting the bar or missing the bar over and over and over again of what you think that you should be, man, how exhausting that is. And then on the flip side of that, once you let it go and like, I did the best that I could do today. And even if I chose not to, I think right. there's that piece too of like, <laughs> yeah, I was not on my there's game. There's so much yeah. today. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe being honest more about that. in motherhood than anywhere else in the world. This is how we change the world is when we say like, I didn't win today. I mean, no, I pray my kids learn a lot from me. I pray they learn a love of the church and reading the word. And I pray that, you know, they want to make out as much as my husband and I tend to like want to kiss all the time. I pray a lot of things for them, (laughs) but more than anything, the one thing I know that they are going to learn from me is how to say sorry. And I know that things shift and change in our home when I just say like, Hey y'all, I was angry. It it was not 
none of your fault. Like that didn't have anything to do with you guys. And I'm sorry. Mm. And I should raise my voice mm. and I'm sorry. Or when I'm like fritting all around in the morning and freaking out and like, Oh my gosh, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. And then we get to school and I'm like, Hey, you know what y'all that was on me. I actually woke up 30 minutes late. Like I wanted that to be your fault. And I treated you like mm. it was your fault, but that one was on me. And I just woke up late. I'm sorry. My bad. That's great. That may or may not have happened this morning. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. Okay. We were at an we were at an event and we were talking about how many of your relationships with your parents, the next generation, would have shifted or changed if your parents would have just said, "I'm sorry," mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I messed up." So the boomers yes. talking to the Gen Xers and just saying, like, "Hey," and they weren't allowed to say that. But I've come to be with moms. I've mm-hmm. surrounded myself with moms that really know how to talk to their kids of being like, hey, yeah, that like what you just shared. It's on me. I blew it. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I think that is going to create just a yeah. great fruit for this generation mm-hmm. and for people listening yeah. just to have that reconciliation going I on hope so. in their I lives. hope our kids mm. know that they're safe to be wrong, that they're they're safe to do it wrong yes. right. and that yes. we don't right. expect them to do it right all the time. And that actually like as believers, this is where it gets good. This is where his power is made perfect. When we stop and say like, mm-hmm. that, that was not right. That wasn't the best, you know? I tell my kids right. all the time yeah. this yes. about, you know, I as it. we're like learning to teach them about politics and what's happening in the country. And I'm like, I, I want you guys to know if you ever see a politician come on TV and say they're sorry or say they did it wrong, vote for them forever. Maybe quit your day job and go work for them. Like this is what we work <laughs> for in leaders. We look for humble people <laughs> who can acknowledge That's they don't great. do it right all the time. Humble mm-hmm. heart. So speaking of the, you are the girl for the job and motherhood, this also has to play out yeah. in your marriage too. I would love to just hit on that and how how does this play out with husband and wife and just really honing in yeah. on you are the girl for the job. <laughs> yeah, well, especially if there's any issues. Like I'm sure you're a pastor's wife, so you're hearing lots of issues in marriages. And I know I've talked with women who are like, no, no, yeah. I made a mistake. And I'm just like, I don't know. I think you are the woman for the job. I think you're yeah, supposed to stay married. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I come those. across those situations all the time. And because life is real, I feel those situations sometimes where I'm like, surely the Lord made a mistake. I don't know if you guys are into the Enneagram at all, but um, okay. I'm an Enneagram Uh 8. My husband is an Enneagram 1. And so anytime you read about an Enneagram 8 and an Enneagram 1, it's like they will probably either burn the world down or maybe do something good together. And it's like a coin toss. (laughs) That's what we're going to do every day because he is still Mm -hmm. and quiet and gentle and patient. And I am a frenetic tornado, like running through the house at warp speed. Mm. Um, And he's slow and methodical and I'm quick (laughs) and rash. And it just took us years and years and years to be like, for real God, like really? (laughs) um, And here's what I think about this message. You're the girl for the job. You're the guy for the job. I tell him all the time, will you please write that book? Why it's so wildly yes. important that we speak this and believe this over one another in marriage? Because there is not a more intimate relationship where we have the opportunity to speak belief and hope and life over each other. And I don't know why, except for that we're human, yeah. but at the very core level, I mm-hmm. find that we can choose to do it or we can choose, even when we're like being encouraging and even when we're being supportive, we can be speaking doubt 
and disbelief and a lack of capacity over each other. Mm. And it's because we see each other's weaknesses. Mm -hmm. It's because we see each other's worst sides of one another. But there is just something so life-changing when we get with our partner, with our spouse and say, like, I have seen the worst of you. And I'm telling you that God still loves you and he still is doing a good work in you and he still is mighty in you. And I tell people all the time, like, Mm. I don't really need the world to tell me I'm the girl for the job. I need the Lord to tell me I'm the girl for the job. But if anybody else wants to tell me, it would really help if it was my husband (laughs) because he sees me at my worst. He knows my actual most broken, weak self. But when he says, like, I see all that and I still see God's power on your life, everything changes. Everything changes. Mm. And so I tell husbands all the time, I'm Mm. like, you want your wife to believe this because when she's empowered and when she's excited about what God can do through her and will do through her, she moves into the world more confidently and more expectantly. And what's more is that she begins to change her language and speak this truth over other people. And as I wrote the book, I realized like, Mm -hmm. I can't be writing this to women and not saying this aggressively to my husband. I have to say to him on his most broken moments, like, I believe with all that I've got that God has placed you here on purpose. And so I don't want to make it sound like it's flowery and easy. It's hard. And what's interesting is having your husband as Mm -hmm. your pastor and also kind of as your coworker and boss is that it's even harder for me sometimes. And that I'm like, I don't know. I kind of want to like say like, well, you could have done a better job or, you know, like, I don't, this would be a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. This setup. But I, at the end of the day, I just experience mm. so much joy and so much peace when I use all that I've got to encourage him with the same mm-hmm. truth that I need to hear. Mm. And then it elevates uh, what you guys have together, I'm sure. It creates total intimacy. And I guess for me, it was just creating this great chasm for you guys to walk in of love and cherishing one another and moving forward. I mean, that's just exciting to hear. It challenges me because I work with my husband and we do everything together. But Mm -hmm. yeah, shifting and being like, no, we are together in this. Like there's no accidents. That's good. Well, it's just exciting for marriages and what this provides. But I was wondering if a woman came to you right now and she's like, hey, my husband's struggling with addictions and da 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 of that nature. Where would you start with them? If they're like one foot out the door, like I'm not done, but I'm pretty done. (laughs) I mean, I would say grieve it. I would say have a safe space, whether that's a Mm. friend or the foot of Jesus or a counselor where you can say this is horrible. I don't, I don't believe that believing Mm. we're the girl for the job is pretending like everything is fine all the time. And I find that so many times we're missing out on the strength that other people can pray into us or speak into us because we're holding a lot of our weaknesses and our pain back Mm. and, and just having to pretend like it's okay. So I would say, first of all, like, that's awful. That's the worst. That's horrible have somewhere that you can say, this is the worst. And I would personally encourage like Mm. prayer needs to be a part of that. You need to be talking to God and saying like, this is hard. I don't understand why you place me here. But then Mm. I would look for the fruit. I would look for the tiny pieces of fruit. I would ask him for vision. Step five in the book is catch a God-sized vision. And I like to say it's basically a three-chapter-long response to the question, how do we hear from God? And so I would massively encourage that woman to hear from God. Ask him for a vision of healing. Ask him for a vision of hope. Ask him for a word of restoration that's going to come to you. 
And just like Mm. Joseph was able to be so patient in the Bible because he had had these dreams and he just exhibited this incredible patience to see God's will come to fruition. I believe we're able to be so much more patient when we go to God and say like, I need a vision of where this is headed. I can't be in it for the long haul unless you're going to show me some fruit that's on the way. And those would be my two things. Like, don't Mm. pretend like it's not hard. It can be hard. It can be really hard. Don't think that God doesn't Mm. care that it's really hard. I think he actually really wants to be your comfort. And then I would just beg him for some vision and some hope to help you stay in the game. I would love to dig in real quick before we end, um, just Mm. stepping back into that weakness part. I just thought that was such a pivotal moment and a key topic of acknowledging our weaknesses And if I can spoil a little bit of the book, you talk about how today we mask those weaknesses as they're basically personality traits of, oh, I'm just too humble or I'm just too blah, blah, blah. So if you can dig into that, I think that would be an amazing Yeah, I tell women, if you're looking for your strengths, so many women are like, I don't know what my strengths are. I don't know what I'm good at. And I would say, first of all, don't look too far past your weaknesses because so much of what God has written Mm -hmm. over our life as a strength, I believe the world calls a weakness because let's remember that the world does Mm. the darkness does not love the light and so so many of these god-given strengths are just pure light and they're just too much for everybody to take i think sometimes and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't continue to step Mm. into them and hone them and own them and so Mm. the same way we know this about like little girls right that we used to call a girl who had leadership we used to call her bossy and now we're like oh that's a god-given gift I have a daughter who's like 110% in Enneagram 8. She's taken the test. She's only 11. She is like full into the Enneagram. And I think all the time, Uh if she had been given to other parents, I mean, if she had been given to another mom who was maybe intimidated by her or didn't want to see God's like will come to fruition in her life, they would think she was a wreck. Because she has a plan every single minute of the day Mm -hmm. and she wakes up with an agenda. But instead, now I'm able to be like, I love this about you. How can I spur it on? How can I encourage it? How can I also continue Mm -hmm. to encourage you to submit it to God so that you're not like a a dictator, uh, you know, but that gift of loftiness like, is actually yeah. 110% God-given leadership. Likewise, I hear from so many women, mm, I, this, yeah. this always comes to mind when we talk about this, is women who say like, I don't know why I'm crying. Like, oh, I don't know why I'm crying. And I'm like, oh, you're crying because oh, yeah. that's a God-given gift. You're crying yeah. because he's made you sensitive and yeah. that enables you to hear the cry in the night of pain and to respond and to lead other people to do the same. Or, you know, women mm, who awesome. I don't know, like are very quiet. Like, I just hate that I'm quiet. I hate that I don't have, I'm not more bold or I'm not more brave. And I would say like, do you know how many powerful gifts come to fruition in the quiet? You're able to listen. You're able to pay attention. You may just be wildly spiritually mm. sensitive. And so when you enter into a place, you're perceived all that's happening in the spiritual realm and that you Mm -hmm. get to speak into that and shift that and and encourage other people to listen to it. And so, yeah, I think so many of us are walking around like, oh, I've got all these problems. I've got all these issues. I tell people all the time, mine, if I had just continued on and not let God add my weaknesses, my two biggest ones are that I'm emotional and I talk too much. But now I've written like seven books in three years. Mm. You know, I mean, God's using (laughs) like I feel everything. I think about everything. Yeah. And I like Mm -hmm. to talk. So when people can't handle me talking anymore, I just head to my laptop and write another book and it seems to work out well. 
<laughs> and right. That's encouraging. That's so encouraging for our listeners because I think what you're saying is actually right. Like how quickly we can just look at our weaknesses and live under that label mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm too much or I'm too extra or I'm not enough or those whatever it is that we have. And just shifting it and being like, no, God, here you go. <laughs> Didn't you write a book about Always that? Enough. Exactly. Never too much. Yep. Okay. <laughs> oh, really? I'm not enough. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> and my next book is called Take It Too Far. Cool. Go so read it. We're just like continuing on this, you know. Oh, perfect. Realm, yes. <laughs> oh, man. So do you have anything else you would like to share that's on your heart for our listeners or any? Thing for the moms or I know you're a pastor's wife and uh, I feel like I'm a pastor's wife in a way yeah. my husband's a traveling evangelist so I just know there's probably some PWs listening or pastor's kids listening I'm so <laughs> who knows doing this. I'm grateful right. for this ministry moms need equipping I tell my husband all the time like pastors go to seminary. I think moms should get to go to like some kind of eight year school on, you know, how to hear from God and how to listen to God and how to teach the word because they're doing it every single day. They're pastors, they're nurses, they're shepherds. And I know that I know that I know that there is no training school because God is giving us the gift of himself over and over and over again every single day. And so I'm just grateful for y'all's voice equipping women. And I would just massively encourage those women to go to God for the equipping too. Go every day and say, what have you ordered up for me today? What do I need to learn today? Where are you growing me today? What do you want to teach me? And he's such a good communicator. He'll be there. Amen. I love that. Perfect. All right. Well, I totally feel encouraged, empowered. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, bless you. Thank you. Thank you to Jess Connolly for coming on the broadcast today. Thanks, Rebels, for sharing this with your friends and your family. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Thank you to The Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution.com is their website. The Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years. Thanks again, Rebels. Thanks for supporting us. You can donate at rebelparenting.org slash donate. All, the do- all donations are tax deductible. God bless. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.